Shay McGee. Yes. Welcome to A Real View. Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a joy to be here. I am so excited to talk to you. I'm excited myself. <laughs> and I, I think one of the reasons I'm excited is because, well, it's always exciting to talk to you, but I haven't talked to you in a long time. Yes. And something tells me that what you're going to say is going to be really awesome and exciting, and it's going to inspire me. Thank you for that. So I've been looking forward to it. Me too. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited because I feel like Shay's one of those people that I don't really know that well on a personal level, but I've connected with on a spiritual level multiple times. Yeah. And she just has a beautiful heart for Jesus, an amazing way to articulate the revolution, the revelation of Jesus. Yeah. And I love that. Thank you for that, Marianne. Jesus changes everything. He does. <laughs> he really does. Well, one reason that we don't see you is because you don't live in Birmingham. Correct. You live in Jasper. Yes. Which is not very far, but it is an hour or so. Sometimes it feels like I'm off the planet in Jasper. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. It feels very far. So. Well, here's a phrase that comes to mind with you is bloom where you're planted. Mm-hmm. And boy, have I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's a sunny day or a rainy day. Somehow you are always <laughs> in bloom. And... Uh, it hadn't always been easy. I have to tell you, this is a really neat thing. When I moved from Birmingham to Jasper, I received one gift from my best friend, and it was a frame that says "Bloom where you're planted." Really? <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Well, so today we—that's uh, been twenty-three years ago. So today we stand in fulfillment of that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and boy, the fruit yes. has been amazing, and not just you, but you and your husband David. Yes, y'all partner and. Minister together? We do. So, all right, tell me whatever you want to tell me (laughs) about what's been going on now. Okay. Um, It's hard to to just start where you are now without saying something about what happened. Um, Probably 2013, um, I was saved at 11 years old, and so I'd been walking with the Lord for quite a while. And the way I try to quantify it with people now is... um, I had a real salvation experience with Jesus apart from any knowledge of the church or the word of God or the people of God or anything like that. It was very much God reached into my life. He came after the one and he found a way to bring me to him. And from that point on, I began to do what I did by nature in the flesh was I built upon that thing something totally different, which was my nature was to obey rules and to do right and Mm -hmm. to get the approval of other people, to control things, um, because my growing up life was very much out of control. And so all of those things were what I built upon what was a real salvation experience, Mm -hmm. and it led me very far. You know, you can be just a tick off of the real gospel. Yeah. And if you follow that path for a long time, it will veer you far off from where you were headed. Yeah. And so in 2013, my oldest son had had a very real encounter with God, and his heart was burdened for his parents that we knew the Lord, but we were so far from knowing the new covenant. And so I like to tell people he zipped on an asbestos suit and he came into the fire. Yeah. Um, and so he, he came to bring the good news to us and I would love to tell you that that went smoothly, 
Um, but even this morning I was reading in Luke chapter 5 about trying to put new wine into old wine skins. And that's what Ryan came home to do. And he tried to pour that new wine into that old wine skin, and it was rigid and unyielding and unbending yeah. like anyone that's under the law. Yeah. And it burst. And what came out was ugly. And, um, you know, I would look at him and like, I don't know what you've gotten mixed up in. And, <laughs> um I was so fearful and angry, and it was threatening my life's investment into church service. And mm-hmm. I just, everything was shaky. But he would leave, going back to college, and when he'd leave, the Holy Spirit would follow him. And that still small voice, and he'd say, you know he's right. Wow. wow. And, um, and I just began to seek on my own, and um, that's how I found you. Uh, total accident. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody put the book Unveiling Jesus into my hands, and I was on a trip to Ukraine on a mission trip, and I read oh, it no. on the plane. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it, it upended my life, you know, and it, it began to speak the same thing to me. It was saying again what mm-hmm. Ryan had said, but it was saying it backed up with the scriptures that I'd known my whole life. Yeah. And I began to question for the first time, could this be true? Right. And, um, in his typical fashion, the Lord says, I'll answer that question. And he did. He woke me up one morning, and I had a very real encounter with Jesus um, that left me forever changed. And anyone that knows me will tell you that from that August 2013, I have been a different person. So different that I questioned, was that my salvation, Lord? Was I saved again? Like, you know, I prayed about that. Should I be baptized again? Like, I feel so new. And um, the Lord took me to my baptism, and he was like, that's not where the problem started. Your faith was fine at that point. You know, and he just, like, reassured me in my heart that I was saved at 11, but Mm -hmm. that I built a lot of things upon a foundation of sand. And now we were going to tear all that down, and we were going to rebuild it on the right foundation. And so I'm in a season of um, waiting on the Lord to open up doors that he wants. I'm preparing a Bible study to teach this summer on, I'm just calling it Bible 101. Good. You know, to try to take the young people God's brought into our life um, into a place of just, why can we trust God's word? And, you know, to try to give them an overview of what's there, because I feel like so many of the young generation have veered away from um, wanting to trust any source of truth. Mm -hmm. They don't trust people. They don't know how to relate to people anymore because they're doing it through a screen more than ever. Yeah. And so face-to-face terrifies them. Mm. And um, and when we get face-to-face with God, that's even more terrifying and that, so they don't they don't want to believe that God's word is true. They don't want to believe that anything you say is true. And I think they're more hopeless than ever. Um, you know, we grew up in a generation that maybe had a lot of false hope is how I look at it now. I had a lot of hope that if I worked hard, it was going to produce something. Um, but I think these kids are seeing the state of our world and they feel very hopeless. Mm-hmm. And we know that Jesus is our blessed hope. And so I, I look, f- you know, for every way to point them back to him. And, and I think we have to reestablish the authority of scripture to do that. And um, so that's, that's what I'm doing right now with my quiet time is I'm working on this Bible study. I'm supposed to start it at the church we're attending um, after the 4th of July. 
And then in the fall, I'm going to be leading I Am Free Because of Jesus that you wrote with um, a friend of mine, Isaiah Martin, if the Mm -hmm. Lord sees fit to have it happen. And we're excited about both of those things. Great. Yes. Always have something going on. You know, I know you said you've been in a season of waiting, but it just amazes me. And here's another thing. You and David seem to have such influence with people. We love people. Yeah. We did that before. We love people like we do. But when Jesus turned us around and brought this new covenant into reality in our life, love exploded. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because we don't we're not under the weight to judge them anymore. Mm. We ourselves are free. We feel judged righteous before God Mm -hmm. by the one judge. And so it removed the weight of having to judge their behavior or manage their behavior. And it just freed us up to love and to tell them the good news. And so we can do that so fearlessly now. We're before everything was tied up in, you know, how to do that without offending. Yeah, yeah. So you, okay, here's another thing about you, Shay, is that it, it doesn't really seem to limit you that maybe you haven't found, uh, you know, the perfect scenario of, you know, I don't know, we'll call it a church or a group or a fellowship or a, you know, grace community, um, you know, but God's given you friends and, and others like Isaiah, you mentioned yes. him. Uh, where y'all are, you know, really seeing eye to eye and you've experienced things together. But um, so, but you, you're not limited. Like a lot of people, you know, just get kind of isolated because they can't find the perfect scenario to live their life in, in community. That is definitely that the enemy has formed in my a weapon that the enemy has formed in my life for sure i went through a very deep personal hurt with a friend that rejected me because of the new covenant mm-hmm. and um, this gospel of grace and it was very painful and um, they refused to um, relate with me anymore i know you've experienced that mm-hmm. and um, it made me tempted to go into isolation, and actually my friend Isaiah is the one that spoke to that, and he said, you know, the the enemy will always take his finger, and he will place it precisely on the place that your calling fears the most. And he was like, Shay, you're called to be an exhorter, you know, of the truth. You encourage people by the word of God. Mm-hmm. He's like, so when someone accuses you of heresy or you know, wants to cast you out of a fellowship or treat you like you're not, you know, trustworthy there. Like that's the very pinpointed place that he's going to come and attack you and make you want to shrink back. Yeah. And it was very eye-opening to me because that's what I was experiencing, you know, is just wanting to shrink back. Um, But knowing what I had seen, there's no way I can deny what Jesus did with me. Like I said, I had an encounter with the Lord. It wasn't just about knowledge or something somebody had told me. No, I had a physical encounter with the Lord. And everybody I know can line up and tell me that didn't happen. And I'm sorry. I will go to my death with it. It happened. And so it gave me boldness again and reminded me. Um, that I don't have to have audiences, I don't have to have classes, I don't have to have small groups to have influence in the kingdom of God, that if God wants to open a door for me, no man can shut it. Yeah. And if he wants to close a door, no man will open it. Mm. 
and I don't have to be afraid. And so I look for opportunities, whether it's with, you know, one person at a soup kitchen meal or if it's at one person that I fellowship with at church in a moment, if it's at a cashier's, you know, register or whatever. And so I just try to make the most of each day an opportunity. They're small things, but I'm trying to be faithful in them and Mm -hmm. realize that they grow into great trees that people will nest in. You know, absolutely. You know, I would like to say that I've watched the previous podcast, and Marianne, you've had so much impact on me over the past month listening to the podcast. Different things that you've said have just really resonated with my heart. And um, in particular, I loved one thing that you shared about how you were looking and seeing that people were going to already like have been receiving this truth in their Mm -hmm. own private lives before you've ever even had to bring it up. And when you do, there's going to be this kinship and it's going to be, you said, I see it like popcorn. And I have been experiencing some of that in my community where God is doing the work apart from me. There are people that are coming to this revelation of grace. And then when we do connect, it's just like, yes, yes, I've been looking for you. (laughs) That makes my heart so happy because it's no work or burden on you but when you find that with someone it is such a relief you speak the same language I speak I thought I was the only one out here speaking this language and to know to look at somebody and know that is just you absolutely know it's just of the Lord yeah yeah. And and the fellowship that you feel with those people is so much deeper than what I used to feel yes. with just people I attended church yes, with. Yes. It is a brotherhood and a sisterhood that it's just like you are my people. And, and you know, you that's know right. it. That's right. <laughs> and it just reminds me over and over again of the Lord's heart that we get to partner with him in so many ways, yeah. but we are not burdened for the salvation of others does not rest on us. That is his heart. Yeah. And that is he will carry that. And he has carried that. But that he would still allow us to partner with his gospel is amazing. It is. That it, and such a joy and a blessing to be able to be a part of the process but not be burdened by the process. It's the easy yoke. It really is the easy <laughs> yoke. Because for yes. so long I lived under such condemnation that I didn't pull my weight of I think it was very much the maybe it's a Southern Christian mentality, but like what are your numbers? You gotta pull your weight and you need to be living your life and telling people you're not doing you're enough. not doing enough yeah. and are you you've got to be sharing that Romans road mm. Roman road all the time with people and it was just a it was a burden yeah. and I felt constantly under condemnation growing up that I did not I was not bold I did not share I did not leave people to Jesus mm-hmm. I was just a little timid thing going to mm-hmm. school every day growing up feeling so ashamed of who I was well, you can't really share in the joy when you're feeling condemnation. Right. The two are kind of mutually exclusive. Yes. <clears throat> wow. Well, you certainly are bold today. Yes. You are. We can't help ourselves, can we, <laughs> You <Marianne>? really can't. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't change. think of yourself as bold. You just think of, you're yeah, just right. living your life and telling about You're Jesus. just overflowing. Exactly. What's yeah, already exactly. there. And it's an effortless overflow. Yeah. Well, you know, I think about Paul being um, just this Hebrew of Hebrews, this, you know, like he says, as to the law, he was perfect. You know, like he just obeyed the law to a T. Um, And then he and it's almost like that that vein that was in him to be so straight on this 
road of religion is like was a part of who he actually was right in that when the the enlightenment came he was even more you know bold to to the point of death to stand up for Jesus and i see that in you like to the degree that the enemy tried to put condemnation on you to that degree and much more mm-hmm. God has yes. put a boldness in you that's effortless. It's not like you have to. It's just like you said, you can't help it. We can't help but tell about the things we've seen and heard, right? And that right. what you know, Peter and John yes. when they were chained up and then they were set free with this, you know, instruction not to talk about Jesus anymore. <laughs> I can't help myself. That's right. <laughs> we can't help it. My husband, I when this all came and, you know, I was just so overflowing and I am an exhorter and I love God's word. And so each morning at breakfast I would start in and he was just like he'd look at me and say, Shay, I am saved. <laughs> Quit trying to I save am me. Saved. <laughs> Did he get the revelation? When you got the revelation, or how did yes, that? Yes, close by. close by. Like, it was very near, you know, and close. We both went through it about the same time. I would say I led a little bit, but his um, he's grown a lot in the last two years. Um, it really has taken root. And what's beautiful about my husband is he's a very um, content person, very passive. And, and I don't mean in the negative sense of the word. He's just not aggressive. He's a great listener and people feel very, he's really approachable mm-hmm. and people aren't uh, intimidated to talk to him and share him or talk with him about the most difficult subjects. And I'll be sitting, we work in the same office, but we're in separate rooms thankfully, and uh, or we wouldn't be working together or married now. <laughs> but I'll hear him in there with a client, and um, I'll just hear the conversation switch from the natural to the spiritual so effortlessly. And it can just be the most delicate, difficult topic that brought it up, and he is – He's so good with it, you know, and it's and he he walks as a person that just really has bought into this no condemnation. David does not feel condemnation. Yeah. And he's so good for me, who was such a legalist law obeyer, because he just comes up against everything in me that would want to slide back in any area of that because he is totally free from it. Wow. So it's really been great. Yeah. Well, I know what you do for a living. <laughs> but tell Marianne, I don't know if you know. Do you know? Oh, you do know. Yes. Well, what, t- tell everybody else. What I'm a structural and- engineer, yeah. and my husband's a civil engineer and land surveyor. Yeah. yeah. So. That sort of shocked me when you first told me. <laughs> I'm a tent maker, Tricia. <laughs> Yeah, I thought you were a Bible teacher. You're yeah, a sh- I'm a tent maker. I, I have to do something, you know, on the side, but it's not where my heart is. But it's really unique because I get to build things. Mm-hmm. And really, um, I love to see things that have potential and visualize where they can be or what they can be. And I think that's who I am, not just in the natural, but who I am in the spiritual. Yeah. Um, you know, and so they, they cross over. They really do. And structural engineers, like, design bones. Like, we don't make things look pretty on the outside. We're all about, like, what's holding this thing up and what kind of foundation is it on. Yeah. And so I, I see how God was preparing me all along, you know, for the journey that I'm and, on. And you've, you have... Uh, d- whatever you want to call it, designed some pretty deep roots for some pretty big 
buildings, right? I have in my past, yes. I I do a lot of small things now. I live in Walker County, so it's primarily home design or, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, remodels, churches, that sort of thing. But when I was in Birmingham as a young woman, I did some large buildings. So, yeah. Um, But it's nice to be on this uh, slower end. I find myself in crawl spaces sometimes now. So, yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) You can have lots of like spiritual analogies. I do. Jesus teaches you all the time if you let him. Well, I think it's really, I mean, it's amazing that something such a small, you know, like such a niche of a Mm -hmm. job, but that literally the Lord does talk about this in the Bible about foundations. And so that is so beautiful. And in a lot of ways it does the spiritual and the the natural mirror each other. And I would imagine that there are ways to jump easily in conversations about foundations and spiritual or in structural integrity to jump to the spiritual we've asked god to do that in our business to give us you know ways to leverage what we do in the natural and find ways to transition it to the kingdom and so we we try you know sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't it's okay we get to rest that's awesome i think (laughs) that is really that is the boldness of jesus is being able to say here's where i'm bloom we just talked about bloom where you're planted here's where i'm at life Mm -hmm. and i think so many times that was something I've had to let go of was I had these structures or kind of coming out of a church hierarchical where you think I need to be at this level to mean this level of spiritual maturity kind of a thing. And no, I can bloom where I'm planted. And if that means me at a PTO meeting talking about bounce houses with other moms that I can trust that the Lord is going to bring forth good fruit there in those conversations. And it doesn't have to be in a part of a hierarchy or a corporate structure that's in a church. There's no more beautiful structure to build than the one you're building with your children. Amen. Yeah. There is not. It's so needed. Well, uh, not to throw you for a loop here, but does Shay know what you did before you? Uh, I don't know if Shay does. But I did make a career out of following rules uh, because I worked in compliance oh, wow. for the Southeastern <laughs> Conference, which was fun and I loved it. Football and all that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. But it, I mean, it is making a career out of rules and regulations. And I always joke that I didn't, that's not what I was set out for. I wanted to work in college athletics, but it's not what I set out for. But that's where I found myself. And I really enjoyed that because I was so legalistic in a lot of ways. So I did enjoy (laughs) rules and regulations and seeing people get punished when they didn't follow the rules. I did enjoy that. That's so funny. Yes. (laughs) But now I don't, I'm like, I don't think I would want, people are like, would you ever want to do that again? No, not really. It's not my thing anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's hilarious. Okay. Well, um, so going back over these, you know, like I, I do with these podcasts, take the notes from this week, this week last year, this week, the year before, and the thread that I saw, which I was so happy about since I knew you were going to be on here with us, yeah. is revival <clears throat> with the younger generations. And I'm really specifically thinking of Gen Z is what they call it now. Yes. And the millennials, which I've been saying millennials for years. Like, I am free, which you mentioned earlier. Yes. What was really on my heart was an identity ministry 
And I would say for the millennials. Well, when that idea first came to me at least 10 years ago, um, there was no such thing as Gen Z or, I mean, you know, it wasn't a term yet, at least as far as I knew. But most of my children were in that category called millennials. Right. And uh, now I have Neil who is 22, so he's in that Gen Z. And then all all four of my girls are more in that millennial phase. Elizabeth's 26, so she's kind of on the on the border there. Right. Uh, so they they have different experiences. Uh, you know, they say the Gen Z are young enough that they either weren't born or don't remember 9-11. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that I, makes I mean, me feel ancient. <laughs> right. They, they know it happened, obviously, but they, right. they you know, like they didn't all see it four happen. of my yeah. girls, oh, my goodness, they all remember exactly where they were when it happened, just like we remember – um, but that's not in the memory of Neil. He was too young. He, in fact, he was born um, in December, and the towers fell in September of that next year. So he was just a baby. And uh, anyway, they have particular. You know, so it's like a particular sort of perspective that they have, which you mentioned. This nihilism, this hopelessness, and all, and um, you know, Neil says to me, you know, nobody my age thinks that we'll ever be able to own a house, and in fact, most people don't even care. They, it's just a foregone conclusion. They don't have optimism when it comes to that. They don't care. You know, they're just almost content in a sort of negative sense, but you know, resolved to just live in an apartment and. Um, play video games or whatever, you know. Now the millennials, yes. like my 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 girls, they um it's interesting that all four of my well, I shouldn't say Elizabeth, she does work for a counseling center in Memphis and she's getting her masters in counseling. But my three older girls are entrepreneurs. Mm. They all have their own business. And it's very unorthodox and um you know, one's a seamstress, another makes stained glass. Frances has a marketing company, which is more sort of in the box, but but Creatives. the way very all creative. And but you know, most of what Frances does is you know, Zoom calls or you know, just online. Most of the work is and and her, you know, people that work with her are not in an office. You know, they don't go to an right. office. So, so it's, it's real different than maybe what we think about. You say you and David go to an office and sit down. Well, they don't think that way. They're, no. they're very much out of the box. And so they, they have a specific um, perspective on life as well. I think that because of the online influence, and we could talk all day about all the reasons why. Right. Yeah. But, um, Many in in those younger generations have backed up or away in their minds from what they were taught as children. They, uh, you know, some of my girls will talk about how some of the people they know actually think that being raised as a Christian like they were, we parents, you know, that birthed children in the 90s and maybe in the early 2000s, you know, we were just so into it, right? Right. right. You know, it wasn't, 
not the way I was raised, even though I had my mother when I was probably 11 had a, had a spiritual revival. But I think, you know, I was the only one really that I knew and everybody was an American, you know, I'm an American, I'm a Christian, right. but I was really of all my peers, I was the only one who really, you know, they talked, we talked about Jesus at home and we prayed before we went to school and things. that just wasn't a thing. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just kind of like your, your Christianity wasn't, really very passionate for you know most people and but we they were went, living the american dream yeah going to church you know for yes, sure church was part of the american dream yeah back then you know yeah <laughs> yeah and there really wasn't much coming against it it was just kind of easy but uh but no that's not the way i raised my kids because i could see this freight train coming down the pike with so many things like abortion and you know i mean i was just like and i homeschooled so <laughs> when you homeschool you're like you go into places that maybe some other people you know in the 90s for sure because homeschooling wasn't really a thing back then um but anyway uh so we were jesus freaks right raising our kids and um so some in that generation are like it was you know the devil has come in, and I think it's actually in response to some pretty good parenting has has come in response to that to, bring, you know, He's just mocking it, mocking it. But also, he has turned his timetable to try to make, you know, this bringing Satanism out. I mean, it yes. is so crazy what's happening now. But to to try to convince those who who were raised with the Word of God with Jesus. To say that that was a cult or that that yeah. I was being manipulated, I'm not doing right. that with my kids. So to me, it, it, it's almost proof that the seeds good, good, good seed. seed was sown. It was good seed. My youngest son, he's uh, works for Google. He's a an mm. AI engineer. Yeah, and um, he's actually going to be leaving Google on Friday. He probably shouldn't. He they know, <laughs> but he's taking a new <laughs> okay. job. Um, but it's been interesting to watch um, his life over the last few years. Um, I I want to respect him, you know, because this will be on social media. Um, but he experienced a lot of church hurt that was very real in the system of church, and um, it's it was disillusioning for him. Not um, that he saw that God did that to him, but he has a very difficult time now with Christians. Yeah. you know, quote unquote Christians. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, um, you know, mom, like you and my brother, like you, you guys live it. He was like, but I don't know people that live it, you know, in my life. And he's right. like, and when I go to work, I'm, you know, made fun of number one for being Southern, you know, mm-hmm. number two for, you know, believing, you know, in God, in Jesus, in the Bible. I'm like, you know, it's a farce to the people in his life. Yeah. And um, it's quite a challenge. It's quite a challenge. It's quite a challenge. And he, um, you know, AI is such a debatable thing, and he is he sees the concerns. Um, you know, he's like, but if good men do nothing, evil will reign. Right. And, you know, and he was just like, I want to understand what's going on because I do not want, you know, humans, like, to have an existential crisis in the future where right. we, we have no purpose to be here anymore. And he was like, if we don't know how this stuff works, yeah. we're at the hands of the people that do, and it's a very small percentage of very powerful people, you know? And so, right. you know, he's pursuing those things. But 
watching what it's done to faith is difficult as a parent. And so I cling to the word of God, you know. I'm very honest with my son and he knows he knows the truth. You know, he knows the truth. It's been sown into his life and and I trust that seed. Um so we'll we'll see what God does in that whole arena, you know. Um he's questioning. And so I I tell him God's not afraid of your questions, Andrew. Ask them. Ask them all you want. Yeah. People may not be able to answer them to your satisfaction, but God's not afraid of them. Yeah. You know, and I was like, so just keep asking him. If you seek him, you'll find him. I love that vulnerability, though, because that really, the Lord can take that, and he, he that resonates with the Lord, and be able to come vulnerable and ask questions or say, I don't like this, or I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I say it's one of the most powerful things I ever did was just get really angry with the Lord at one yes. point in time. And so that's it. I'm done. I don't want anything to do with you. Yes. And what I expected was hell to rain down on me. Yes. And what I found was probably the most tender and loving moment that I'd ever experienced with the Lord up until that point in time. Yeah. Because I was just showered down with just pure love. Right. Because that's the heart of a father. So I agree with you. Ask questions. Yes. Say, I don't understand. Say, I'm angry about this thing. Because the Lord can take that. He's big. He can handle it. And you find what you receive more is just so much grace upon grace upon grace. Yeah. And also, you're not afraid of his questions. Yes. I'm not. Um, We've had some very vulnerable moments. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, eyeball to eyeball, mom to son. You know, where where I've looked at him and, you know, told him, you know, Andrew, I'm a new creation and I'm a child of God. Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. And I love you with my entire being. I'll go lay down in this road right here in front of a truck to keep it from hitting you. Mm. But I will never back down from my faith in Jesus, even for you. And that's hard to say. I mean, I said it with full-on tears. And he said, I'm counting on you tonight. Amen. Oh, my. And, you know, so that's super vulnerable. And so we're talking, you know, yeah. and and he, he's, he's questioning. He's looking. He's deciding for his life. And, you know, I've learned as a mom, he has to. Yeah. I, God was so good with me all those years that I was keeping all the rules and thinking it counted. And he was so good and so faithful to me to let me come to the end of me. And so I'm trusting that Andrew will have that same journey. Yes. And and so many like him. My, my husband and I um, had a small group that we started about a year and a half ago with college and singles and young marrieds. And I think we ended up with maybe 20 kids. And I actually came to a study at your house and Miss um, Claire um, prophesied over me. She, she, came, she got up from enduring the thing and like leaned into my ear and she said, I was just, you know, sitting here and I, the Lord just showed me you and David in front of a room of young people. And she had no idea this was happening. And she's like, and the Lord just told me to tell you to take them to the cross. Wow. And um, so we we did. We we both got quiet that week. We spent time with the Lord and said, what does that look like? And we took that group of young people to the cross. And the fruit that has come from that one night has not been like a growing small group or, you know, a mass chain of small right. groups. Yeah. But it has become these really great mentoring, discipling relationships with these young people. And they, they come to us one at a time here and there as their life requires and needs. And, and he's given us this, you know, great opportunity just sitting on our back porch with them in very vulnerable conversations. And, you know, so we are trying to just be 
faithful and open and remain out of judgment and fear, you know, and hold the line. You know, just hold the line of the gospel and and to be that place they know they can come, you know, no matter what's going on in their life. And even if what they say is shocking, and sometimes it is, um, you know, we're just like, it's okay. You know, like you've got to decide what do you believe. And, you know, I, I said this to my pastor this past week. It's like I count it such a privilege in my latter years, thank God for my latter years, that's what I said to him, that I get to look in a, the eyes of a young person and say, what do you believe? Yeah. And why do you believe it? I can't tell you that. Yeah. You owe it to yourself to answer those questions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and please make sure you know why. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's just such a great privilege to get to do that with these, you know, younger people. And, and. So. Um, the Lord has, uh, so coming so strong in the last couple of years because, you know, I I was telling my sister the other day about my passion for young people. She said, Trisha, this has been going on a long time and it Mm -hmm. hasn't waned. And I said, I think that God's up to something in me, you know, because I haven't, I don't, I don't feel like, you know, I'm naturally, you know, I have kids that age, right? right? But I don't feel like I'm naturally drawn to young people. Like I, I have mean, never been either, but I, I am now. Well, <laughs> I am in my heart, but yes. I'm not really the package, you know. I mean, do you ever feel we're that not way? shiny all the time. We're yeah. not shiny and like what they're looking for. No, no, no. <laughs> we're not hip and cool. No, I don't even uh, know how to turn "Do Not Disturb" on my phone. So. <laughs> you had to get Marianne to help to do that you. For me. But, Thank you. you know, uh, but but um, he said he said so strongly to me, and this is you know, off and on over the last couple of years, but but like lightning striking. Take them to the cross. And and what is the cross? The cross is the sin. That's where Jesus became sin. So the first thing we're not doing is backing down on the fact that you need a Savior. Yes. You need a Savior. You're not good without Jesus. You're, but the world tells them yeah. 100% of the time the yeah. opposite. Just be you. You're good, just like well, you are. I know this is... Uh, yeah. this, this is... Super outrageous what I'm getting ready to say, but Francis showed me, you know, what's happening right now we know is all this Target stuff and, right. and all that. So she showed me the Instagram of one of these these designers for Target who's a Satan worshiper. Right. And I can't, honestly can't tell if it's a man or a woman. And I'm, you know, if it's a man, I say he. If it's a woman, I say she, black and white. But I can't even tell what this person is uh, from the picture. But but I'm going to say it's a he because he has a mustache. Right. And I don't know if hormones can make a woman grow a mustache, but I'm just going to go with it, it's a man. Yes. <laughs> but the the T-shirt that he had on is, is, um, is a design he had made of Baphomet, you know, the, the, the Satan image. And on it, it says, Satan respects your pronouns. And then underneath it, the caption on this Instagram post said, Satan loves you and respects who you are. And then something else to the effect of, you are loved. And it was all the kind of stuff we say. 
not respects pronouns, but but that we we talk about how much Jesus loves you. They're literally calling evil good and good evil. They're flipping this thing. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. It's pure Satanism out in the. It's open. all Satan has. Yeah, and it's he's to overplayed copy his hand. What God's done. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. He, he's not a creator. He only mm-hmm. had, you know, he's not God. And he's not a creator, and so he yeah. has to just copy. Yeah, he has to counterfeit and manipulate counterfeit. Exactly. It, I mean, and this is a complete yeah. counterfeit. But right now, I, I saw this last night. This happened uh, yesterday, I guess, where this uh, rap song about Target, about boycotting Target, anyway, was uh, number one in iTunes above Taylor Swift and all these famous people on all charts. Number one. It's called Boycott Target. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I, and I was like, okay. You know, people people are seeing they don't, you know, they want Satanism. We're very divided. We're very divided. Hey, and people. to that point, isn't that what Google does? Yes. Keep you in You're your echo chamber? In, yes. They yeah. make sure you don't hear anything. They polarize us. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, that, right. so that nothing happens except what they want to happen. So here's the thing <laughs> is your testimony is that God showed up in your life. He did. Right. right. And, and it wasn't through a church. So there are times. But he did use people. Of course. Of course. Yes. But there are times that God, and I'll use the word sovereign because it's, yes. it's a good word. It is a good word. Um, that he just sovereignly shows up in a situation. Now, now um, you and I, and we, we have been praying for eyes to be opened, right? We've been yes. praying for this. So I think that that's you you know any revival you can go back and see that there were people praying beforehand. Absolutely. Um, so that that's a that's a definitely a part we play in this thing, but you don't know how or or when it's going to happen, right? Like how's yeah. God going to do it? And I, there's times I, I and Mark knows I say this, and I've written it in my notes so many times. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. Right. You yes. know? And just try not to take it into our own hands and try to force yes. something. Right. Like, you know, when we don't see it happening when we want it to happen. On our time. Trusting God, like Abraham trusted God, you know, and he and Sarah took things into their own hands. But thankfully, God's a redeeming God, and he kept his promise anyway, because he yeah. does. 14 and, years later. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lived with Ishmael there for 14 years until Isaac was born. I want to read this this okay. passage right here. Acts 3, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, the 1995 version, which is what I always read from. Therefore, repent. You know what that means? Change your mind. Change your mind. Yes. <clears throat> we need A mind minds change. to change. Yeah. Right? Yes. Therefore, repent and return. I'll come back to that word in a minute so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus, the Christ, appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period. Now, that is actually a plural word, periods, meaning a time, a specific time, of the restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Now, that word time means eternity from, you know, just without a specific time frame. Now, the first one, it says times of refreshing. 
That's a word we've heard before, kairos. Yes. A kairos moment, Mm -hmm. an opportune time. And that's what I'm talking about. It's a window of time. It's the right time, a decisive time that we've waited for. Yes. And it just happens. Yes. And that, that word refreshing I want to get to in just a minute as well. But <clears throat> restoration, <clears throat> I won't try to pronounce the Greek word there, but um, there's, there is a period of restoration. First, there's a time of refreshing and then a period of restoration. Yes. And that restoration, that word means to reconstitute it back to its original state. And you think of... You think of the Garden of Eden, like yes. getting things back to naked way- and unashamed. <laughs> yeah, naked and unashamed. Naked and unashamed. You want to tell me more about that? <laughs> <laughs> she was telling me earlier. Yes, um, the Lord just gave me a really cool revelation one morning. I was um, in the passage that talks about be in the light as He is in the light, and as a uh, a legalist person, I'd always heard that as you know come out here with Jesus and be perfect like Jesus is perfect. Come out here with no sin, never have any sin. Any missing the mark is the way I would like to say it. You know, like Jesus never misses the mark. And if you do, you just don't need to come into the light. That's how I heard it. And um, one morning I was meditating on that scripture, and I was in the shower actually, and um, I, I was just like, you know, Lord, I know that, you know, Adam and Eve were before you naked and unashamed. And, you know, I want to be naked and unashamed. And he, he just whispered, and he was like, Shay, what does it mean to be naked? And, you know, at first I was just like uncovered. Um, you know, I'm thinking, he's like, no, more than that. And the Lord just really told me that's your flesh exposed. I mean, I'm literally standing in the shower. Yeah, It's not beautiful. <laughs> you know, everything's hanging out. And it's just like it's right there. And he's like, it's your flesh exposed. And when he said those words, it just unlocked, you know, and the revelation began to flow of like, the Lord knows everything about me in the flesh. What he's done for me through my salvation is spiritual for now. You know, it's it's done. It's a spiritual thing and it's complete. And what's going on in my flesh, you know, while I'm here on earth because of what he's done in my spirit, he wants me to just come out in humility before him. Mm-hmm. And and when I do that, um, you know, I come into that light, and light exposes everything it shines upon. So not only is my flesh exposed, but the light is like going, see, see? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, there's no, there's no need to hide. There's nowhere to hide from me. So could you just come out and trust me that mm-hmm. I am inter I am I live to intercede for you. Mm-hmm. Jesus always lives to intercede for me. There's not one moment that I'm not covered. Amen. And so I can come right. out as and I glory. am. Yeah, so we yes. can come out as we are. Yes. And we don't have to be ashamed anymore, you know? And you so know, it's a beautiful place to be out. I always life. say that you don't need to be afraid of the light because the light is going to reveal the perfect work of Jesus to remove that sin. Amen. And so I rest in that. <laughs> yeah, so so you, you know, come come and be honest. Yes. About your failings, your temptations and all of that, and as we talked about last time, the Holy Spirit is not a long, bony finger from heaven pointing out our sins and convicting us of sin. 
No, the Holy Spirit is there to remind us of what Jesus has done. And when I come out in my missing of the mark, it's like I said, I love that. I think people can relate to it. When I'm willing to come out even in the missing of my mark and look at Jesus and point to Jesus and give Jesus the glory he's due for his finished work in my life, it really gives other people permission to believe that he can do that for them. Yeah, They're just like, are you serious? Like you make mistakes still and you're still willing to come out here. And, Mm -hmm. and like my religious self hid all of that. It felt a need to cover it all up, even though it was Mm -hmm. still there. Right. And, and there's nothing more hypocritical and you know it in your own heart. And that's why you couldn't share Jesus with anybody before. Right. Right. And now because I'm in the light Mm -hmm. with my flesh fully exposed on my best day and on my worst day, I can point to Jesus, and I can take you to him and say he is, if we want to stand before God with what we have, it's not going to turn out well, Mm, you know, so stop hiding, you know, run to Jesus. To me, uh, you you see Jesus so much more clearly when you're honest and where, you know, come boldly before the throne of grace, boldly is the word parousia, and it means without hesitation, you know, with with confidence. That the assurance. veil's been torn yeah. and a way has been made, but not by yeah. me. I couldn't make it in all of my right. best efforts. Yeah, yeah. And on my most evil days, he didn't leave me. You know, yes. either one. Yeah. Because I'm not able to define good and evil for myself without spiritually, you know, being aided with the Holy Spirit. I can't even discern it. Yeah. You know, and it's like we think we can, but it puts mm-hmm. us apart from God by nature. And that's why I didn't want that for us. That's and right. so, you know, now it's it's just so different. It's and you want it for everyone you know. Yeah. You 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 just want if I could give it to you, I would give it to you, but you have to receive it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can offer and teach yeah. and uh proclaim the gospel, but you have to open yeah. your heart up to receive it and believe yourself. Yeah. Um Well, you know? you're a messenger. You're a witness yes. to what he has done. You know, and you, you we have this message, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting our sins against us. And now we're ministers of that reconciliation. I quote that verse all the time yeah. and, and because it's scandalous. People yeah. just, when yeah. you say the Bible says that God is not counting your sins against you, they right. look at you like right. you, where did you come from? And right. I'm like, no, yeah. That, yeah. I, yeah. I open my physical Bible. You know, to try to stress, I'm like, I'm going to read it word for word, you know, and it's just like, he's not. Yeah. Yeah. He counted them against Jesus, but you have to believe by faith to receive that. Yeah. Yeah. It's that simple. So you're, I I feel your passion as that passage in 2 Corinthians 5 says that we we implore you as though God (laughs) were pleading through us. Yes. Be be reconciled reconciled to to God. God. For God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. And I love the word reconciled in that. Be reconciled to God. It's like, let God bring your account to zero. Yeah. Yes. 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 (laughs) It's an accounting term, and I love that. Let him bring your account to zero. Jesus was the overpayment of any debt you are holding against yourself. So good. Because God's not counting it against you. You're holding it against you. Satan is reminding you of it. But Jesus has been the overpayment, and all you have to do is believe that. Yeah, just receive that. You know, he became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And 
I'm 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 seeing in this that this overpayment that righteousness is it, because it's his eternal righteousness the debt is it is so fully paid that there's no 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 debt even from your future sins that hasn't already been paid for they were all counted yes. past present and future yes all counted I've shared this with Trisha in the past, but you know, the, um, by his stri- it's just actually singular stripe, I'm healed. And yes. a lot of biblical scholars believe it's because there were so many stripes on his back, it became one big stripe. But I've told Trisha, yeah. I think his heart is so overpayment yeah. that by one stripe, one stripe, we are completely healed. But he went so much farther than that <laughs> yeah. because he loves an overpayment so much yeah. and, and extravagant. A, an extravagant uh, abundance. Yeah. So I think it's singular because by the one stripe, Boom. How much yeah. more? Yeah. And then how much more did he endure just for yes. us? Because we're hard-headed. Yes. And, but and he's he, like, maybe that, if I keep that on. That love is so extravagant, so extravagant. Mm-hmm. But that, that passage uses that word, times of refreshing, Cairo, you know, yes. kairos moments of, of refreshing. And he said what it literally means is the blowing of the breath again intensely mm. and and you, you can't read acts three without reading acts two right yeah, pentecost yeah, yeah so pentecost we just so, had pentecost sunday yeah last week yeah, yeah true <laughs> and so so when he's saying refresh the blowing of the breath again intensely the point is is that there are times of refreshing it wasn't just for pentecost it's it's for throughout history Yes. And there have been many, many revivals. And I believe that we're on the cusp of one right now for young people. You know, college campuses, even high school. Did y'all get to see the uh, the Jesus Revolution movie? I did. I have not seen it yet still. But oh. you've said so much I mentioned about it. it. I'm sorry. I no, keep talking no, about I, it. I need to want to see it. I did. Yeah. Yeah, I saw, I saw myself in that mm-hmm. movie as, as a... I like the Chuck Smith character. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, going back to Acts 3, just one more time. Uh, Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now, that word return, epistrepho, that word is used in Luke one seventeen, which, by the way, is a quote. Part of it is a quote from Malachi four six. The Malachi four six version says, "And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers." Now, in the New Testament, that word "turn," he will turn the hearts of the parents, and turn the hearts of the kids, is that word epistrepho. Mm. So, you know, therefore repent, change your mind, and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So returning, um, that word is, it means to cause to return, to bring back. Obviously we know. But in the New Testament where it says, turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the next part doesn't say, and turn the hearts of the children to their parents. 
it gives an interpretation. Mm-hmm. You know how that happens sometimes yes. in the New Testament? It's a quote, but here's the interpretation. Turn the hearts of the parents to their children, and then it says, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. Mm-hmm. Now, what is that talking about the kids, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So turn the disobedient, the children, to the wisdom. So they're turning to the wisdom of the righteous. Now, looking into these words yes. was actually quite quite exciting. Now, who is doing this turning? Well, it's here's talk about John the Baptist right. in the spirit of Elijah. Mm-hmm. John the Baptist, you know, said that you know, Jesus is coming, right? He was right. the predecessor of Jesus. And what was the spirit of Elijah? It, it's it's saying things boldly, you know, yes. uh, with fervor, the with power attending that word because you're so right. convinced of it. And so I'm seeing these things. I'm speaking these things. I believe that these generations are going to turn. They're going to turn. The disobedient are going to turn back to the wisdom of the righteous. So that that word disobedient, you know what it means? It means impersuasible. Wow. Not <laughs> compliant and contumacious. Mm. This means people you're looking at them and they are absolutely impersuasible. You cannot get anything you can't mm. knock on their heads and get sense into them. They're impersuasible. Yes. But it's but but God is going to do this, right? Amen. We're yes. here to speak the word, just as you are saying. Yes. That's the way you feel you need to speak to that generation. Don't mince words. God's told me the same thing. Speak about the cross. Speak about the sins. Right. Speak about how Jesus went into the grave with it. Yes. Speak about how he rose from the dead without it as us. He identified yes. with yes. us. Okay, so the disobedient are the impersuasible, but their hearts are going to turn to the wisdom now that word is not Sophia, which is the normal word for wisdom in in the Greek. It's a different word. It means the love of the will of God, mm. <laughs> the love of the will of God. And you know what the will of God? Well, it says the wisdom of the righteous. Right. Okay, so the parents, the parents are the righteous in the in this case. Right. And at that time, and I've done a study about you know what what, what was going on. The, the generations were very divided. Right. They were in different sects, sects, S-E-C-T-S, yes. of religion and what they were believing, their belief systems, kind of like the mm-hmm. echo chambers, you know, kind of like this great divide between kinda the like generations we right now. Yeah. Right. we're experiencing. But they seem so impersuasible. Like, who can get through that bubble that Google or the social media or TikTok or their friends and, and their professors, and who can chip into that stronghold? Well, let me tell you something about the stronghold. This is a word that God gave me recently, and I've had it more than once. But we are built on the rock of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. on his word. Yes, it, It's immovable, right? Mm-hmm. You want to talk about something seeming to be impersuasible and immovable. Well, Jesus... Is yeah. the rock that nothing, yes, cannot be moved. But let me tell you, these that are believing lies, see, Jesus is the truth, but they believe the father of lies. And the father of lies has built a kingdom on lies. Yes. And our, what we've built, goes deep below the surface. 
these seeds have grown up into a structure and you know we're oaks of righteousness yes. and we're immovable we as Jesus bears fruit you know the tree of life bears fruit every season that you know we're abiding in that we're we're living in that but over here is what i call a house of cards it's mm. built on the sand it's yes. shifting all the time and when you build a house of cards you always start with one card right mm-hmm. you put a card then you put another card then you put another they're card propped up and they're all propped up but they started mm-hmm. with one lie yes and we can probably come up with well what's the basic lie and you can go back to the garden and and what what was it you know did god really say yeah yeah <laughs> but i think that when you know I, I think god has shown me you know specifics on what you know each person i think that that there's some spot some place that the devil tries to get in a soft spot and it really will go against the calling right it'll go against those good works prepared for the beginning of time it'll go against the identity of that person but there's some lie there is some card that all of this started with with the you know some of these kids who were raised to believe in jesus they they received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They were right. baptized, um, all of that. And yet at some point they, they be, began to be led astray. Right. And sometime I want to talk about that, you know, what, you know, what Jesus said about those that lead these little ones who yes. believes, believe in me, Jesus said, yes. to be led astray. You yes. know what Jesus said about them? That's bad. They could be bad. cast into the ocean with <laughs> a millstone around their neck. Yes. Yeah. So, so, but there's a there is a lie, and I, I believe that um, you know parents parents that see that their children have gone astray can go for the guzzler there and know that there is a card, and when that card that lie is revealed, whatever that lie is, when that particular lie yes. is revealed, it will be yanked, the whole thing will come crashing down. The seed that was planted in their hearts as children is an incorruptible seed. Yes. And it it hasn't moved. It hasn't changed. Right. It's not on sinking sand. Right. And I think that we, as the as the branches, we you are abiding in the vine. Our relationship with our kids um, is so important, and that's love coming from the tree of life. They, you know, listening in on that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they're hearing all this stuff. But um, that is going to come crashing down. And that's just a word I believe God gave me. That we can just have hope that God would reveal, pull that linchpin, and that whole thing is coming, coming down, down. coming down. Um, and and so we, you know, I believe these times are refreshing. There's going to be a great returning of those prodigals. They're coming home. You know, I've seen a tsunami. I've seen this massive wave. I've seen this for years. And what's coming on that wave? is uh prodigals and mm-hmm. it's a wave of grace yes mm-hmm. so the lord is telling me just prepare the fatted calves mm. get okay. them ready uh. <laughs> your children are coming home amen mm. prepare the calf uh. yep get ready get ready they're coming home you're gonna throw a party so, yeah yes yeah and they come home i'll tell you who they come home to the ones who told them the truth amen and right. didn't take a path of lesser resistance yeah. right right I was thinking, too, about what you just said about the lies and the card. And I I just want to point out that the lies are not always what appears to be dark or sinful. Mm. 
Um, I think sometimes people can hear that and think somebody's told my child that they're this or that and, you know, homosexual or whatever, you know, it is. And and I just want to say the lies can be, you know, that if, if you're good, you know, if you're yeah. if you're good, if you keep the rules, everything's going to work out. Yeah. And because, you know, that's a prop and, and we have to be so cautious as believers in the new covenant of grace right. and in Jesus Christ himself that we don't give people props to build their faith on that are even what we've termed good props, church yes. systems, yeah. um, ladders of getting closer to God right. by right. their behavior, good or bad. And, you know, to tear that thing down and to get to Jesus um, so we, you know, be, be, when you're looking for those, don't close your own mind to think that you're looking for some heinous lie. Right. That it, it might be, that's right. it might be a good thing that's just, just barely off. Yeah. That yes. is what it's all hinged on. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying that while you were doing it. You know? I, so. I agree with you a hundred percent that, you, you know. They've bought into it, a lie that like, right. that they wouldn't be heard in the church. And they got hurt in the church, right. and they're disillusioned, right. and they've built a lot on that disillusionment, like yeah. you know, or well, other it, things. It could, it could, it could, and I don't want to start naming everything. It could be, but it could just be a simple rejection. Yes, yeah. yes, you by know? one important person. Yeah, right. You know, to them, and and it builds from there. And then and the, so. the enemy comes in so slyly to to and get just manipulates to, it enough. Yeah, to give the. The relief or the solution, yeah. And uh, you know, Paul said that the devil, his his ministers, these demons, <laughs> they they appear as ministers of righteousness. Yes, right. Yes. But he said, you know, go back to the simple gospel. Don't don't let the the devil deceive you like he deceived Eve. Right. You know. Right. So the simplicity of the gospel. In Jesus. In Jesus Christ. Yes. Yeah. So good and evil. We it, It's easy to get off and just think right. it's the evil things that we're battling, but it's not. It's good too. Good as we determine it mm-hmm. apart from God. True, the knowledge of good and evil. Yes. That's exactly right. Well, uh, one, one more word of encouragement that I have just felt like we are on the... Um, Verge of, and that is, let me just read it from the message, Amos 9. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people. Isn't that exciting? Of course, that is Amos 9, and if you read it in uh, other versions, NASB says, Behold, the days are coming when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed, when the mountains will drip sweet wine and all the hills will be dissolved, and I will restore the captivity of my people. Things are going to happen so fast, and Jesus talk, talked about this too, you know, that the fields were were white for harvest, and the sower and the harvester are going to bump into each other because things are happening so, so fast. fast. So this is impossible, what, what we're believing, but that's what God specializes in. Yes. 
And some some people have sown in tears. And those tears, well, let me just read Psalm 126. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And as we, some of us have prayed, we've prayed with tears, but those tears are watering the seed. Mm-hmm. It's part of God's overall plan is to receive our prayers and to know that there's things happening that we can't see. What's that song, Waymaker? <laughs> Miracle <laughs> Worker. Yeah. yeah, that he's the promise keeper, light in the darkness. Yes. All that, I can't mm-hmm. remember all the words, but I love the part that says, even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when yes. we don't feel it, he's working. He's always working. He never stops working. We know the work is finished. Yes. But at the same time, we know in this time, this era or whatever you want to call it, this place called time, yes. God is ever working on our behalf. Yeah. It's just like he's ever interceding for us. Yes. Well, interceding is a archery term. That's right. He's forever hitting that mark. Hitting, hitting the yes. bullseye. Continually hitting the mark, hitting the mark. So while he's seated in heaven, he's continually hitting that mark on our behalf. Yeah. Amen. Well, let's pray. Uh, I'm going to pray for the great awakening and the great reset and the great restoration. We thank you, Lord, that 2,000 years ago, Lord Jesus, you took all of the sin of all of humanity in your body on the tree, all of the guilt, the condemnation, the punishment, you paid the wages of, of sin, which is death. And we go back to that place. And we know from there you went into the grave. And you took our sin into the grave. You took our identity as sinner into the grave. And you rose again without it. And we come into that resurrection with you by saying, Yes, Lord Jesus, We receive the forgiveness for our sins. We receive the resurrection life and the righteousness that we can have only in you. And we identify with you. You have identified with us. We identify with you. And we are now seated at the right hand of God in you, Lord Jesus. And it is from that place, seated in heavenly places, that we rely on your kindness to to ever reveal your grace to us to always and from this time forward to show us waves of grace and we believe that you are in the process even now in this present time of revealing yourself to a generation who is hungry to know you who will only accept what's real they, they are tired of smoke and mirrors. The hopelessness cannot be sustained. There is coming a day of reckoning where they will be reconciled to you and some will return to you and uh, go back to their first love. But I, I pray, Lord, as I've prayed every single day for years now, I pray for the time of refreshing to come and for a blowing of the breath again on a generation of young people that you've already planned from the beginning of time to be bearers of light, to be bearers of truth and of your word, to know you in ways that we can't even imagine. Like we 
think we know based on our own experience, but you have so much more planned for them. And I've seen even my own children teaching me. I've seen seen them sitting at my feet as they have done in the past, but I have seen them, me also sitting at their feet and learning from them. Because as you said, Paul, Paul said to Timothy, and as you said in your word, Lord, don't let them look down on you because you're young. So we're not going to look down on these younger generations. We will be there to uh, encourage them and to teach them and to connect with them. But we believe that the spirit that's inside of us is the same spirit inside of them and, and that they're going to do uh, incredible things signs and wonders and miracles they will be unashamed of the gospel and they will walk out life in their destiny and who you created them to be so we're just going to speak by faith today and what we're seeing in our hearts and what you said in your word and we we pray everything in the name of jesus amen amen a real view is brought to you by parousia a ministry devoted to boldly sharing the gospel of god's grace freely offered to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Visit ParisiaMinistries.com for teachings and testimonies, as well as information on how you can order Trisha Gunn's highly acclaimed book, Unveiling Jesus, a verse-by-verse foundation of the message of grace. This show is made possible by the generous financial support of people like you who love this message of grace. Your tax-deductible gift to Parousia is greatly appreciated.